start with the latest from the Israel-Gaza conflict. The Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says more than 10,000 people have now been killed in the Strip. More than 4,000 of them are children. It comes after one of the heaviest nights of bombardment in Gaza since the start of the war, with Israeli airstrikes hitting the north of the territory and reports of huge explosions. Israel says it's now effectively divided Gaza into two parts, north and south. 11 UN agencies and six humanitarian groups have called for an immediate ceasefire, urging Israel to protect civilians and allow more food, water, medicine and fuel into Gaza. They also called on Hamas to release the hostages captured on October the 7th. Some aid continues to get through. A Royal Jordanian Air Force cargo plane has dropped several containers of humanitarian relief supplies over the Gaza Strip. Uh, the update was shared in a tweet by the Jordanian king. A Jordan State news agency said the consignment was urgent medical aid for the Jordanian field hospital in Gaza. And Israeli media reports say that the airdrop was carried out in coordination with the Israeli military. Meanwhile, the U.S. has stepped up diplomatic efforts in the region. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has left Ankara after holding talks with the Turkish foreign minister. And the country's CIA director, William Burns, is now in Israel, urging greater effort to avoid civilian casualties. And the White House has said that Vice President Kamala Harris will discuss the conflict in a phone call with unnamed foreign leaders today. Well, our Middle East correspondent Yulan Nell has the latest. Opening fire, Israeli forces say they're advancing on the ground in Gaza, helping direct fighter jets. They've hit some 450 targets in 24 hours, the military says. Meanwhile, a hospital car park serves as a makeshift morning place. Health officials in Gaza say some 200 people were killed overnight. About one and a half million are now displaced. Many have left the north for this tent city here in the south. For some, like Mina al Kasses and her family, vehicles replace lost homes. We came here in hope of finding safety, but this doesn't exist. When you're sleeping, you'll hear rockets overhead. There's no security. Amid growing destruction, the heads of UN agencies put out an unusual joint statement condemning the spiralling number of lives lost and torn apart on both sides in the past month. Now in Gaza, they say, an entire population is besieged and under attack, denied access to the essentials for survival, bombed in their homes, shelters, hospitals and places of worship. This is unacceptable. Aid is still only trickling into Gaza, Overnight, Jordan says it resorted to an airdrop of medical supplies for its field hospital. On the ground, fewer lorries have entered than used to come into Gaza on an average day. It's difficult to find drinkable water. <clears throat> Food is limited now in the market, even in the south area. The aids are entering. I mean, it's, it's limited. It's a, it's a dot. I mean, it's not enough at all to, to, uh, to fill the gaps. On a diplomatic blitz, the U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Turkey on his last regional stop, trying to block an escalation in this war. Washington is trying to persuade Israel to back a pause in fighting. When it comes to humanitarian pauses, we're engaged with the Israelis on the particular practicalities of that. One critical aspect, though, is seeing progress on, uh, on hostages. That's something we're uh, intensely focused on. But we also believe that a, a pause could help uh, advance that proposition as well. 
this lunchtime, another protest calling on Israel's government to bring home the 240 or so hostages being held by Hamas. Another reminder of the anguish brought by this war. Yolanda Nell, BBC News, Jerusalem. Well, the heads of all major UN agencies have issued a rare joint statement calling for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza after last night saw some of the most intense fighting since the war began. UNRWA say that the 88 people working for them have been killed since the 7th of October, the highest number of UN fatalities ever recorded in a single conflict. Well, let's speak now to Juliette Tuma, UNRWA Director of Communications. And obviously, I'm so sorry to hear about what's happened uh, to your colleagues. In, in terms of the ability of your people to, to work in Gaza at the moment, can you tell me about the conditions they're working under? I don't, I don't think we can hear her line. Sorry. Sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, start again, Juliette, sorry. Yes, th thanks, thanks. I think it's only by uh, sheer miracle that our staff on the ground in Gaza, the unsung heroes of the humanitarian team in Gaza, it's only by miracle that they continue to push and they continue to deliver assistance under such harsh circumstances. They themselves have been displaced some more than once. They have lost loved ones and obviously colleagues, like you've said, 88 colleagues of ours. Um, they are completely stretched as our resources and supplies run out. And the Israeli government uh, is not moving on these calls for any kind of ceasefire, even a pause at the moment. There's, I was just talking to a spokesperson for the government earlier saying, unless the hostages are released, we won't consider this pause that you're calling for. It seems that they're not moving on that right now. Look, there should be a ceasefire. It's, we're actually, it's, it's, it's far, it's overdue. It's overdue. We're, we're too late. It's been one month of hell. Uh, nearly 10,000 people are reported killed, more than 4,000 children. We lost 88 under our colleagues. Um, the situation goes from bad to worse by the minute. Our shelters are overflowing. They're overflowing with people. We are currently hosting 700,000 people in our shelters. Some people are being forced to sleep on the, on the floor because we ran out of simple things like matrices. So we got to have the ceasefire. We also have to have this steady flow of humanitarian supplies that come into Gaza since the convoy started on the 21st of October. What came in is only 6% of what Gaza used to get every single day. What when we say, say it's a drop in the ocean, it, we really mean it. It's a drop in the ocean. Yeah. On the issue of fuel, and obviously Israel has said that it doesn't want to allow fuel into Gaza because it could end up in the hands of Hamas. What can you say to Israel to convince them that that, that wouldn't be the case? UNRWA is asking for fuel. We have been asking for fuel for one month. Gaza has not received any fuel for one month. We need it. UNRWA needs it. The humanitarian, the largest humanitarian organization in Gaza needs fuel. We need it for our cars, for our trucks, for our medical facilities. But how can you ensure that it's not? How can you ensure that that fuel, if it was allowed in to you, how can you ensure that it wouldn't end up in the hands of Hamas? It's coming to us. It's coming to be used in UN-marked cars and trucks. It's going to UN-marked facilities and medical 
uh, medical centers, it's coming to UNRWA. We will use it for humanitarian purposes. We, UNRWA, the largest humanitarian agency in Gaza. We saw um, uh, yesterday this airdrop by the Jordanians, uh, didn't we? Is that something that could be possible uh, for other countries, for other organizations, perhaps? This airdrop of medical supplies, it went into the Jordanian field hospital, didn't it, inside Gaza? It's a last resort. It's a very, very expensive operation to do airdrops. Um, the UN rarely does it. We've done it recently in Syria, in an area that was under heavy, heavy siege. We've done it once in Iraq, in one of the mountains, in the remote areas. It's a last resort. And we don't think that it's actually necessary in the context of Gaza, because there are plenty of uh, other ways to get in supplies, including by road. Well, thank you very much for talking to us. Uh, I really appreciate your time. Uh, Juliet Tuma there from uh, UNRWA, which is the, the agency focusing on Palestinian refugees. Thank you. Let's go live to southern Israel now because we can speak to our correspondent, Mark Lowen. And as you were saying earlier, a really intense night and an intense morning, Mark. Talk us through what's been happening. Yeah, we've heard much of that intense military activity, Lucy, from where we are. We're about three kilometers, about a mile or so uh, from the Gaza Strip. And all morning we've been hearing the, the, the frequent thud of outgoing Israeli artillery on the ground from here, but also seen huge plumes of smoke billowing up after the, uh, the airstrikes that have rained down on the Gaza Strip, um, particularly around Gaza City, which has now been completely encircled, uh, say, say the Israeli def defense forces, as they try to sever the, the, the Gaza Strip in two, a northern part of the Strip and a southern part of the Strip. Israeli media are reporting that, Gaza, that the uh, Israeli troops could enter Gaza City within 48 hours. Uh, once they get in, uh, there will be more, of course, intense street-to-street -street fighting. They're encountering, we know, mines and booby traps on the streets. And, of course, they would face some of those deadly Hamas tunnels. It's estimated that Hamas has dug up to about a 1,000 tunnels uh, sprawling underneath Gaza, and Gaza City very much thought to be the center of that. Um, so. Uh, Meanwhile, the, the, the road that, that basically bice, that goes from the north of Gaza to the south of Gaza, the main artery running through the Strip, has been open today uh, to try to encourage some of the civilians that were sheltering in the north to take that road south. Uh, but many of them are still feel that it's still too unsafe to take that, uh, that road. And, and we understand that up to 400,000 civilians could still be sheltering in the north of, Gaza's, uh, uh, the, north of the Gaza Strip. And meanwhile, Mark, the intense negotiations continue on the diplomatic front. Antony Blinken uh, finishing off his tour of the area and, and still pushing to get a humanitarian pause agreed by Israel to allow more aid in. But he doesn't seem to have had any joy on that front yet, has he? Well, well, not overtly, no. I mean, the Israeli prime minister has said there will be no humanitarian pause until there is progress on the... 240 or so Israeli hostages that were seized by Hamas more than four weeks ago. Now, one idea that has been mooted by Yosef Burrell, the EU's foreign policy chief this morning, is that potentially um, if uh, Hamas were to allow uh, the Red Cross, the ICRC, International Committee, Committee of the Red Cross, to access the hostages, then maybe that could, the quid pro quo could be a humanitarian pause. But 
Uh, at the moment, there is no sign of that being being uh, agreed to. Um, Anthony Blinken did say, as he was leaving Baghdad last night before he went to Turkey today, that uh, U.S. and Israeli teams are working together to try to address the to work through the practicalities of of a humanitarian pause. So even though Netanyahu overtly and publicly is being very rigid on this, I suspect that behind closed doors it is rather more nuanced um, because it is clear that uh, you know if Israel is going to get any, make any progress or any, any, any headway about the release of these hostages, uh, it's not going to come while the, while the bombardment continues. Okay, thanks very much, Mark Lowen, for us there in southern Israel. Let's just show you some pictures uh, from Jerusalem. These are family members, uh, relatives of those who have been taken hostage uh, in Gaza, holding a protest outside the Israeli parliament there in Jerusalem.